All right. It's the yay. Boy, it feels like it's been forever. This is Reg Clay. And Norman G. And we have our guest, Will Hammond. Hey, hey, how are you today? <laughs> All right. And we talk about life in the theater and the theater of life. All right. So, Norm, how, how was uh, you? You were off. Um, you were down, this, down oh, in South California. Uh, how was it? Been, it, feels like, it feels like it's been forever because I did. I went down. So, I went to three 75-year-olds' birthdays. <laughs> That's My amazing. My father and my stepmom, who I've known for 50 years, so I actually had to stop mm. her at one point and said, this year marks 50 years since I met you. Wow. Amazing. I flew out at seven years old to California to find my dad, and he had a family. Oh, wow. And, um, and so I met her, and the woman has just been wonderful to me from day one. So they were both celebrating their 75th birthdays. Her birthday is actually this week, and his birthday was in March, but they were celebrating that and their 55th anniversary. Hmm. Wow. That's, that's amazing. just amazing. So that was, and we did it in a big ballroom, and I don't know, this stuff was a little bit formal <laughs> for me. Um, but we went, I uh, went with my brother, half brother on the other side, mm -hmm. came out, and I actually stayed at his place. And then the next day, we drove down to my mom's house to celebrate my stepfather's 75th birthday, which was just this week. Yeah. Wow. And are they healthy? I mean, are they doing well? I mean, are they in homes? He or? broke his hip. Okay. And this is the way the world has changed. Medical medicine has changed in our life. Yeah. I heard that. I'm like, 75-year-old man broke his hip. Oh, shoot. Are we, are we getting ready to have a funeral? <laughs> yeah. 24 hours after he broke his hip, they had him back on his feet. What? Because they don't do that no more. Wow. You don't lay up and heal. They're like, no. If you get up and start moving and make that body mm -hmm. react and respond to this, you get, you know, you get the physical therapy, but get up and start moving. So they did surgery and got him back up. Bam. I'm, he's doing great. I, I'm amazed. I mean, I look at Betty White and a bunch of other folks. Of course, if you have money, that that's fine. But I'm noticing more and more people are just living. Not just living longer, but enriched lives. Right. I mean, I'm noticing that as well. Have you noticed that too? Yeah, but it's funny because as I turn, oh, I'm 48 now. Yeah, I start to. I'll feel, be there. In a, I'll be there in a couple exactly. of weeks. Well, I'm <laughs> feeling. I'm feeling the little cricks, and you know, I'm starting to think, "Wow, I should be drinking more water." <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm. I'm bad at that too. But um, no, I just feel that I think technology has, has done really, really well. And I think people are just more educated. They're eating more healthier. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think. Well, and the technology, I mean, the knowledge, because mm -hmm. yeah. it's not technology. When you tell somebody to get up, that's not technology. Right. We just realize that, no, laying there and waiting for the bone to knit back mm -hmm. together isn't the best way right. to get the body to respond to the healing right. process. So, yeah, it was it was it was a world <clears throat> trip and it was in the middle of. I've been doing each one, reach one. So I've been mm. doing this playwriting thing and I actually led it this time. So that's been wild. And today was the performance. So we get these, it was a group of young men. Um, they're in a continuation school. So they're not in, most of the time we're in a detention facility. Mm -hmm. This time we were outside, but they're connected. One young man, a couple of days ago, sitting talking to him about something. He looks out the window. He's like, oh, shh, there's my P.O. I said, uh, is he going to come in here? He's like, he didn't say nothing. And no, the guy went and checked in with somebody. PL probation officer. Yeah. And so that's who we were dealing with, that population. Mm -hmm. uh, we got to do the show today. So nine, eight young men, nine young men, and then one dropped out at the last minute. It's really weird. How are you able, I mean, because I teach at a continuation school in Berkeley. Mm -hmm. How do you, like, it's, I find it really struggle. I struggle a lot. It's hard. And the Berkeley one, I've actually, Berkeley Rep used to do that one. Mm -hmm. And I stopped. And they stopped. And I, and I was like, yeah. Because people like me were like, well, no, we're not going back there again. 
Um, it's a new one for this organization, Each One Reach One. It's a new thing reaching out to these other things. Because mm -hmm. the program that we do is, is solid. We know it is. We've been doing it for years. We know it's a solid program. Mm -hmm. um, but there's a difference between somebody who's locked up and got nothing else to do. You can go watch some TV or you can come in and sit with us for a couple hours and create something. Wow. Um, is different from these kids who come and go. So the kid who didn't show up just didn't show up. They called his house, left a message. He didn't show. So uh, they write their little pieces, and then we bring in a group of local actors, and, um, and we get to put that up, uh, oh. and they get to see it. And that's the most important part. So they're part. the playwright. They are the playwright. That is really amazing. This is their story. They created the story. We have certain guidelines, and it frustrates them sometimes, but we get... We got a nice array of stories, some juicy stories. There was a rose in hell, mm. and, and we limited it to two characters talking. There can be other characters in the environment, but two characters talking. Mm -hmm. Him and his mom. So he was the rose, and his mom was the soil. Mm -hmm. Wow. And he was the only living thing in hell, wow. and the devil liked him because he was pretty. Hmm. And he wanted to take over hell. Mom wasn't about that, wasn't about helping him with that. He has to try and convince mom to help him. It ended up beautiful. It was gorgeous. And they're in a volcano. No, that was, there was another one. There was one in a volcano and one that was in hell. Yeah. Interesting. Um, I wonder psychologically what was going on, but that is really interesting. I wanted the audience to know. So we brought in Will Hammond. Uh, Will, uh, all of us, it's almost like a family reunion. We were uh, connected via Richard Wright, the Richard Wright Project. Mm -hmm. uh, we participated in this, uh, the speak uh, the read-throughs. Right. Uh, this well, is several... We did a series of readings. Exactly. To develop the play, yeah. Yeah. So what are you doing now these days? Well, it's funny because, you know, let me talk about Native Son. It's just like, you know, I teach at the continu continuation school there at B-Tech Academy and, um, you know, full-time and as a part-time, uh, you know, musician, I'm doing a lot of my own personal stuff, but I'm also trying to develop you know, projects with the youth and also for myself. Mm -hmm. I teach at Youth Radio, so I do a multimedia program nice. there. So it's a combination of like, you know, just doing cover art for the website, but also doing some video projects. So it's a really, really, it's... it's what, a, what are the age groups of the kids? Oh, high school. Oh, nice. So mostly okay. all high school. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, and, and you know, it's a struggle to deal with students who are in trauma. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, you know, especially at the continuation school, but coming to... Youth radio. A lot of kids are coming from all different walks of life, so it's like kind of like, oh, you you opted in. You actually want to be here. <laughs> right. and, get, and getting right. and getting back to you, Norma. You yeah. you mentioned uh, the the like the just the 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 rose in hell. I wonder psychologically what because that's a wonderful thing so about. Go ahead. We force them to work in metaphor. Yeah. So no human characters, which gets around that. Oh, when this happened to me and my cousin was there and yeah. so and so and yeah. so. No, no, no. Reduce it down to something. And so um, we had one young man who was really frustrated because he wanted to do his story. Yeah. And it ended up being about two pit bulls. That happens a lot. Mm -hmm. And the pit bull wanted to get some money, needed to get some money to get a house. So mm -hmm. I'm like, well, what's a pit bull need for the house <laughs> or money? But a pit bull lives someplace, so it needs a house. So I said, so, and he, so he wanted to sell drugs. Mm. Well, one of the rules is we have to abide by the rules of the facility. So no drugs, no right. crime, no gangs, no weapons, no cursing. But if you're a pencil and you say shavings, we, we uh, get where you're going with that. Yeah. Um, so for his, it was like, well, so what might a pit bull get? Well, he could, he could steal toys. He said, okay, and sell them to other dogs, <laughs> dog toys. I'm like, cool. 
So he's stealing toys and selling to other ones. <laughs> and his buddy is saying, dude, I've been there. You don't want to go that route. And they ended up in the dog pound. They ended up in animal control <laughs> at the end of the story. Mm-hmm. That's pretty funny. So um, they still get to tell their stories. You get to hear all this trauma and stuff. But it's all masked. And one of our rules for our mentors, so each one reach one has one mentor per writer. And we switch off, we do two weeks. We switch off the first week, but the second week you work with one person to get you through the process. Um, We're not allowed to ask personal information, and they're minors. So we're not allowed to talk about any of their personal information. We don't want to know it. But when you tell me there's your little sister and your mom's never home, so you got to take care of your little sister, and dad left, or dad's in jail, you don't tell, it's in the story. So yeah. you get to know all that stuff. Yeah. So today is always an amazing thing because even the most resistant youth gets there today and suddenly they're in front of an audience. And we had eh, maybe three or four dozen people came out from the community to see this. And their story gets read by two actors who know how to work a script. Oh my God. So by the end of it, like they're laughing and joking about the stuff, about the different plays as it's going on. But even though they feel like they're sort of going, oh, look at that, oh, did you hear that? Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. He's going to the paw pound. Oh, ha, 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 ha. Um, the writer knows people are getting caught by his stuff. He created that and he made it happen. Mm-hmm. So by the time we do it, we do it and we end with a little thing called feedback. Instead of doing feedback, no editing, no trying to do this or do that or don't do this. Right. But to say, what are the emotions that you hear in that piece? Oh. All this stuff comes out. And so after they, and then we give them a little bit of cake, got to throw some sugar in there. Um, (laughs) And so it's always an amazing day. Performance day is always an amazing day. And you get to see all that come together. And then the best part is, well, not the best part, but if that wasn't good enough for them, the cherry, let's call it the cherry on top, is it goes on our website. So each one reach one, I think it's .org. It goes on the website and... All those plays are there. So at this point, the organization's been around like 15 years or more, and there are hundreds of plays. That's amazing. And so it's it's always an exciting thing. So that's been the newest thing with me. That that's great. I mean, I I always there there are coworkers and friends of mine, and we talk about. Um, the use of liberal arts and a lot of them frown upon it. They're like, well, no, 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 no. Yeah. I want my kid to study law and be a doctor or whatever, Mm -hmm. something constructive. They can't do anything with a liberal arts degree and all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. There's something intangible about arts that brings out, um, something in, in a, in a youth, but also just in an adult. I mean, you can always tell someone who has, who doesn't have art, in their lives mm-hmm. who don't go through something like let's say each run reach run or even just community theater or what have you <clears throat> they they lose the, they don't have the ability to communicate mm-hmm. yep. it's the ability to express yourselves and these are the intangible things that you that you need in life i mean in a relationship or right. in a job interview or something like that i mean because all of a sudden everyone just speaks the exact same way but there's something about art which you can express something within yourself that can't be expressed any other way. Well, and be, by yeah. being exposed to it as youth, mm-hmm. then you start to get exposed to that way of communicating. Yeah. So one of the things we both talked about is where we got in. Where did you get in? What well, got funny. you into the arts? It's interesting because, you know, when I was in sixth grade, I was looking at the ground, stuttering, 
you know, I really had a severe stutter. Hmm. I, I never knew that. And in high school, I met Ellen Sebastian. Oh, okay. um, Ellen Sebastian Chang, who had was it Life on the Water Theater? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that moment. She was. That didn't. That was. Yeah. She brutal. was my theater teacher at Urban High School, mm. and she brought it out of me. I mean, and from then on, I I gained this voice. I gained a sense of you know who I was, and yeah. this inner strength came out of me my fresh my freshman sophomore year. So, I really give it up to um, Ellen and you know Francis Evans, who's another uh, theater mm. teacher mm-hmm. there, who and and they saw me years later when I was at the Thick House mm-hmm. Theater mm-hmm. Um, doing the Seven. So that's how we that's how we connect. Yeah, we got yeah. to do a, a new musical at the Thick House. When were you guys at the Thick House? What year? Because I acted at the Thick House. Eastenders did a thing called Four Monologues and Three Hotels. Actually, it was the very first theater performance I did in the Bay Area at wow. the Thick House. It was my this I don't know was about my baptism. Two thousand five, two thousand four. I think it was two thousand. <clears throat> it was right before, right or right after nine eleven. We went to New York. Right, so remember we were working on the. Mm-hmm. I was working on the on the right, book with with Will Power, yeah, the playwright, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then we performed it. I think in two thousand two, maybe two thousand two, two thousand three. Yeah, yeah. And I remember because I remember we when we flew to New York to do it at the uh, Hip Hop Theater Festival. Mm-hmm. I had about six or seven cocktails on the plane. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, uh, I'm going to get liquored up before I get there. <laughs> I just, you know, it was one of those moments I was like, wow, my first time in New York, and it's right after 9 11. Oh, I, I still have it on my yeah. resume because New York, we went to New York. We did a show wow. in New York. Yeah. And, and it was great to go and see it and compare it to like the Thick House or to compare it to the Magic. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, kind of a black boxy kind of space. Yeah. yeah. And they were like, you know, when we got there, it was like, Bay Area. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> we were just so celebrated. And I was like, my first time in New York, and this is what we get? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. it was it pretty was amazing. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that part of it is um, also understanding, like, what, you know, it's bigger than you. You know, I mean, as a kid, I was always, you know, really connected to music and theater. Music mostly, but then when theater came, it was like it locked in. You know, so I got into the Young People's Musical Theater Group, and we started doing acting. And I realized that not a lot of the people understood that acting, singing, and dancing were sort of a combination mm-hmm. of, mm-hmm. you know, you can actually do all three and learn all three, you know, as a young person. And so that was a really amazing time, too, to have, like, summer stock, um, you know, in high school and do all that stuff. So, mm-hmm. was this all here? In the, were you, are you a native of the Bay Area? Yeah. So all that was all in San Francisco. Okay, and I, cool. you know, mm-hmm. went to again went to an arts kind of liberal arts school, and then jumped into after school programs, doing music and theater. And then I was also in a band at the time, so I was doing you know doing gigs at like the Stone and uh, Mabuhay Gardens and you know whatever mm-hmm. it was back then. Nice. Gardens, yeah, we opened that. up for Fishbone one time. I was like, wow, this is amazing. so having all that like music and art and stuff mixed at a young age Mm -hmm. i mean literally now i tell my students i go you know what you got to pay your dues until you know once once you're at my level then you can you can you can wing it yeah but you can't wing it in high school right you know you're learning your craft you're learning how to 
polish that you know <clears throat> that piece of wood so they always say you have to know what the rules are before you can break them right? yeah exactly yeah. well it, I, it comes up regularly where some students say well how do you memorize how do you memorize mm-hmm. I'm like <laughs> I learned a whole bunch of ways of memorizing <laughs> and now I just sort of absorb it I just sort of put my hand on the script mm. and the words come into my head yeah no I, what I honestly do is I lose sleep over it yeah I keep losing and I'll not be looking at the script, but I'll keep losing mm-hmm. sleep. What is that piece? What is that piece? And what you don't realize is while you're agonizing over that one piece, the rest of it has fallen into place. I know that part and I know this part. Oh, that part's easy. I can connect that up. And by the time you get to that one last little piece where you were struggling with it, the whole thing is right. Yep. I'm, I'm so glad you mentioned that because I'm a procrastinator. You know, I will look at a script and like I just finished doing uh, The Chain, uh, which played at the... Um, the um, the Ashby stage, uh, part of the uh, musical cafe. And it's a small script and I've got like, you know, like there's a monologue that I have and I swear I'm, I may have waited till like maybe two weeks before, you know, the first rehearsal or maybe even the uh, week one of the rehearsal. Mm-hmm. But just like you said, it was percolating in my mind. Right. And I have a technique. I mean, my technique is that I handwrite if oh, I know I have a I love, monologue. I love handwriting, yes. Exactly. There's something that it just enforces it in my brain. I never re-record myself. Mm-hmm. I just basically just handwrite it and then somehow reinforces it and then I'll just type it out mm-hmm. on like a Word, mm-hmm. you know, Microsoft Word. Right. And I'll compare it just like I'm taking a test to the sure. actual script. And I'll notice, okay, mistakes, mistakes, mistakes. Right. Okay, and then I'll do it again. No, you're right. And mistakes go less and less and less. I love getting it in my own hand. Yeah. Because once I've got it memorized, I still like test myself by writing it out. But oh, you're right. Wow. Just to write it out from the script. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about memorize. Mm-hmm. Just go ahead and copy it. Exactly. Putting it in your own hand makes it yours mm-hmm. in a different way. Yeah. And I can't explain it. It's just, it's just ingrained. But I do wait until the very, very last minute. And then I'm like, okay, I got, I got to do this thing. Right. But I know my brain well enough. I mean, I've, right. it's, it's, it. and, you know, I've done it for a long enough time that I know what I need to do to to get in or whatever. So, so how was the musical cafe? It was wonderful. Uh, some fantastic performance. Really, really wonderful. And great writing from uh, just all sorts of... One of the great things about... You know, you have these types of theater, like you have like, let's say one theater performance, there's one play and there's one production and you just do it. And then you have these collaborations where you have a bunch of groups coming in. Right. And you see everyone else's collaboration. And I've been a part of these beforehand and it's really just a wonderful cohesiveness. And it's a wonderful way to communicate to other people. Like I talked to uh, one uh, woman, of course, I did not write her name down, mm-hmm. but I contacted her. I was like, I love your voice. And I've got a couple of songs. Um, you know, maybe we can collaborate. And she was like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm interested in that. And that's a great thing about theater. That's a great <sighs> thing about just theater and also arts. It's a way of communicating with other people. And all of a sudden one person sees wow, he can do this and that or whatever. And it's a weird networking. I, I feel like in the last year, year and a half, mm-hmm. I have given more attention to my acting career. Mm. Part of that was going out to auditions. Well, I think, and we've talked about it, auditioning is a clunky way to get cast. But the fact is, once you get in one little piece, you bump into somebody that you know. Somebody hears about you were doing that. And suddenly your phone is ringing. You're getting emails from people. Yep. And they didn't necessarily yep. see the show. Yeah. But the fact of you doing the show puts wow. that energy out there. Yeah. And that seems to do more than the network. It's like, like s- auditioning. Yeah. Networking 
is a key part of getting I can't tell you how many times I've gotten jobs and I've never had to audition for it. It's just, you know, someone calls. Mm -hmm. Well, I may have to do like a bit of, but as far as finding the job. Right. I've never really had to find the job. I mean, usually the job comes to me like this musical cafe thing. One actor that I acted with Candide, I did Candide at the Douglas Morrison Theater several years ago. Mm -hmm. And one guy dropped out of doing this role. And he was like, hey, you really need a black actor for this. Mm -hmm. Um, I know a guy, Reg Clay. And all of a sudden I see on my uh, Facebook. And it's, it's a shame because there's so many things out Twitter Right. Facebook, right, Snapchat, right. WhatsApp, right. and I had this uh, notification, and it's, it was like two weeks before I answered it because I can't keep a track of everything. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but I finally contacted the person. I was like, "Hey, you know, sounds great. I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and do it." But once again, I acted with one individual, and that's another thing I tell people: be very good. You know, don't be an asshole when you when you <laughs> when you act or whatever, because. People will remember you and they'll spread your name around. Right. I tell the story. Um, so I acted in, oh, what was it? It was The Marriage of Bet and Boo. Around, um, in Mefec, our first rehearsal was at uh, September 11th. And we did Bet and Boo and it was wonderful. Several years later, oh, I'm sorry, it was actually Tinker's Nebula. Oh, so this, this, this is in, uh, in, yeah, totally different. But, okay. it was, but basically, to make a long story short, maybe five years later, I hook up with the director again, and he's like, hey, there's this actor, and we want to audition him for whatever. Have you ever acted with him before? And I was like, yeah. I tell you, you know, um, I, I hate to talk down on somebody, but uh, his vibe was just really, really horrible. And he was just very stoic. Right. He wouldn't communicate with people. Mm-hmm. He didn't want to bond with people. He was just, I don't know why he got into acting, because usually when you're into acting, you're with people who really want to connect with you, right. and right. you feel their energy, and... He just did not have it at all. I was like, eh, I don't know. And he was like, okay, great. It just threw the thing, wow. threw the resume away. No, that net- and you may never know. That networking thing is huge. I am working on a piece, and I'll talk more about it later, with the Playground. Mm-hmm. Their festival is going on right now. And um, so two of my actors are doing, they do another project connected to Stanford. Mm-hmm. So one actor is going to be directing, the other actor is in it. And I'm carpooling today to the Each One Reach One gig Mm -hmm. with another actor. And he says, I'm doing this thing at Stanford tonight. I said, seriously? Um, Liz is directing, right? And he says, yeah. And I went, my world is way too small. (laughs) (laughs) And I was at a rehearsal last night with a totally different thing and going to another job. And then y'all are doing job three together. My world is way too small. Well, you know, it's interesting, too. Like, I was thinking, like, just now when you're talking... You know, social media has changed so much of the way we communicate. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, you know, when we were doing theater together, how do we communicate? I mean, I knew, I think knew I had a flip phone email, back then. Yeah, email I'm was a big sure deal. I had a flip phone back then. But think about like social media. I mean, I mean, it seems like you guys Actually, get I way more. I didn't even have a flip phone, but yeah, then. no, because my buddy, I remember two thousand. No, it was when uh, Richard Wright project. Mm-hmm. A buddy walked up to me, handed me a flip phone, and said. This is your phone. Wow. Is that right? <laughs> because I was doing so much, he said, people need to be able to get yeah, in touch with exactly. you. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, back then, I guess it was email, but then now yeah. you guys do a lot of stuff through, you know, all the different mediums. It seems like it's really way more accessible. Yeah, yeah I, 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 let's see. So the first, I didn't, when I first came, so I'm originally from Washington, D.C., and I came here in 97. Mm-hmm. And I didn't come here for theater at all. I had no idea there was theater here mm-hmm. in the Bay Area. Wow. And... 
remember AOL, America Online. Mm-hmm. And I just went into a chat room and I think they had the bulletin board, uh, the message boards. Mm-hmm. And someone left a message board saying, hey, I'm starting up a new theater company called Bay Stage and I'm looking for actors and directors and stage managers. And I was like, hey, let me get back in the theater. And uh, and uh, that's that's how I got in. That's how I got back in. And from there on, we just, you know, naturally communicated, I think, let's see, from 99 to uh, 2002, it was basically via phone and email. Mm hmm. And then uh, now Yahoo Messenger was big. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, so, yeah. you know, we connected via Yahoo Messenger. I think I had a bunch of friends via Yahoo Messenger. So I migrated from AIM, from uh, AOL Instant Messenger to Yahoo. And then Yahoo, then people were talking about MySpace. You got to get on MySpace, MySpace. I know. I have a MySpace <laughs> account. And it's been inactive because I haven't touched it in years. Yeah, I know. Every now and then, something I bump into it every now and then. Mm-hmm. Well, it's funny because oh. I think the last email that I had from Tony Kelly was on my Hotmail. <laughs> <laughs> I still have Hotmail. I still have Hotmail. Now, see, but, oh, and I hate it. Anytime somebody kids yeah. me on well, my Hotmail account, I, I it's all caps. I respond in all caps. Well, it's also This is spams. my email address. Yeah. Isn't it like been spammed? Like a gazillion? My, it been, can be. Yeah, I don't yeah. even look at it. Now, see, I'm a Mac man, so I never I stayed away from Hotmail because then it was a Microsoft thing. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I remember when we were doing like chat the chat rooms on, was it Mac? I think Apple had like this thing called E e-room or e-chat or something like that yeah the, well i know well a long long time ago there was e-world but e-world. I, don't even, I don't it was e-world yes. okay okay there you go <laughs> that's so funny but that's the world we live in now yep. we live in this world or i i say i get most of my work now the actual do you want the job through email wow um occasionally through text which really freaks me out i'm like you got my phone number. You were writing me. I don't even know who you are. Wow. And if I ignored that number that I don't know, I would have lost a job. Yeah, there you go. That's interesting. Yeah. Have you guys done film at all? As well as theater? I mean, I know theater is film. sort of a... I haven't done much recently. Uh, webisodes is the big thing I've been doing. Uh, I've been doing stuff that just Drace, you know, just uploaded to YouTube, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I have... Um, so I was contacted. The same guy, Raymond Ray, who did A Marriage of Bet and Boo... So this is how the so I did a production called um, Water Buffalo, written by a wonderful guy named John Whittle Utter, who uh, was 21 years old when he wrote it. It was one of those things. It was a fantastic, obscure piece. It was done at the old Phoenix Theater mm. when the Phoenix Theater was on Geary mm. uh, in like a basement. It was I like a basement that, type yeah. theater. And so Raymond Ray acted in that. And then he directed Marriage of Bet and Boo. And then he was uh, teaching film. And I believe it was um, it was um, UCSF, maybe, or um, San Francisco. I think it was San Francisco State. In any case, he had film students and uh, one of them was looking for it was um, a production called Shadow Ball. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was basically about Negro League basketball, mm. Negro League baseball. Mm. Wow. And I got to play James Cool Papa Bell and they filmed it. Wow. Oh, I think eight. Um, what do they call it? Super eight film or yeah, something Super like. 8, yeah. yeah. And uh, that's as a matter of fact, I'm on the uh, what IMDb. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. Internet. Um, um, I, I don't know what the, well, the you can, thing is. I didn't realize. Mm-hmm. So I was because I've done a bunch of film. I've done mm-hmm. I've mm-hmm. done full length features. I've done short film. I've done little these webisodes and things. So with the webisodes, the folks that put that together are really m- much more 
savvy than I am, and they got it out there. Mm. So I'm like, well, let me see. And I also I did a I did a tiny role in a I think the producer wanted it to be a serial, an action serial, and I was just the basically you know if grew up in the 70s, all those guest artists, you know, guests, yeah. you know. It's whatever show that it is that you watch every week, but this week, starring so-and-so, I was that guy. And and so I'm like, well, wait a minute. If you got this out there, I, w- I want a piece of this. So I mm-hmm. looked it up on IMBD, and it was listed. And I'm like, was, your name, was your name listed? I think my name was. Uh-huh. And then I started looking for some other stuff where my name wasn't listed. Yeah. I was able to add my name in. I guess Whoa, somebody right. checks it. Right on. But I'm like, no, no, no. I, I was in this one, too. And then I looked up, I did a Nash Bridges episode. Oh, so I nice. looked that up, I found the episode, I linked to it, I did all of that, and I made sure my name was in there, and I actually made sure I wrote up a little bit about wow. what it was, because <laughs> nobody had written it up. Yeah. You know, that, that, just, and that really frustrates me when you can't get in to you, you, you see it's you, like, right. that's me. Right. And like, it's like, well, you have to be the original, like, poster or whatever, you have to go in and well, set up an account. Put it, you can put, right, I had to make an account. And then you can post, you mm. can post it, and I guess somebody's going to check it and make sure. Right. But I'm not lying about anything. No, no, no. <laughs> and, and they hadn't even written a synopsis of that particular episode, <sighs> so I just wrote the synopsis in a way that worked for me because I, I played Chili Gun, and that was not the character's name when I got the role. Right. But when I showed up, they had changed the name of the character and the woman. So <laughs> the woman's name had been Connie. In the script, yeah. which I hated because that's my stepmom's name. And I'm like, don't make me. I, I'm supposed to have raped this woman. I was a serial rapist. <laughs> Is that oh, right? No. And wow. I had just gotten out of jail. Uh-huh. And the first thing I didn't want to do, I didn't want to go get a hot dog, slice of pizza. No, 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 no. I wanted to go find her again. Mm. So I'm chasing this woman around who stayed late. She's a teacher. Wow. So we're running through a school. Oh, and I'm no. yelling her name. Like I'm friggin' Stanley oh. Kowalski. I'm yelling her name. And they changed her name. I'm like, okay. Wow. But I was happy because they changed it to Susan. I'm like, I don't know yeah. those Susans. That's cool. It would freak me out if I had to. That's why I don't date anyone who's who's has my mother's name. Oh, Lord. <laughs> yeah. really, it's just freaky. But, you, you so I got call. to do this thing. And so I'm chasing her through the school. She gets her cell phone. She calls the police and says, it's chilly gun. He's after me again. <laughs> <laughs> And so Nash Bridges is riding around in his, you know, he's got the convertible. He's riding around. He's going to come help. So he comes rushing to the school. Before he gets there, there's a little scene where she runs to her car. She drops her keys and she gets in and locks the door, but she dropped the key. Oh, no. So I pick up the keys and they decide it's going to be a fob. So I'm sitting there going, tweet. And the door unlocks, and then she's clicking it locked again, and we're going back and forth. I get the door open. I get in there. I'm getting ready to rape her. Ooh, I'm a raper. Oh, man. And um, all of a sudden, somebody grabs me, spins me around. I'm like, what the? (laughs) Oh, no. Wait, wait. Bam, bam, bam. He shoots me. So the cops roll up. Nash Bridges rolls up, and there's a dead body, and they don't know who shot me. She didn't shoot me. What's going on? Oh, so that's a mystery. And that was the beginning of the show. Really? Then it goes to the opening credits and all that, right? So you're like, oh, okay, what's this about? What's this going on? So, of course, they go back to the office. They're talking about it. They're trying to figure it out. Well, you know Chili Gun's part of this game, blah, 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 blah. Before they get to the next commercial break, somebody else in the gang has been shot. Whoa. Oh, wait a minute. Maybe this ain't about Chili Gun. (laughs) 
maybe this is about somebody trying to take out the gang. By the time you get through the next commercial break, you've already forgotten about me. You don't care about me anymore at all. But nobody brought up the synopsis, so I'm like, oh, man. you know, a young teacher gets gets um, attacked by a serial rapist who gets shot. Who shot him? Why? Wow. It reminds me of a Law & Order. Um, yeah, it, I mean, like, that that's how Law & Order does it. Like, exactly. one little boop, thing boop. happens, and oh, they lead on. to you. Show of hands. I know it was yeah. a podcast, but show of hands. I know at least half a dozen actors I've seen on Law & Order yeah. in that opening. Oh, yeah. Yep. You're the dead body, or you're somebody who just yep. runs through. You're the, yep. you're the dog walker who <laughs> you know, runs through and finds the once, body. Once upon a time, it was Ice-T, and then later on, he Benton. became... Wow. Benton was yeah, in Benton. one. Robert Gilliam. Yep. Right. The guy that, in the seven, the guy that was one of the yeah, leads of in the seven, was in there. Yeah. Was, was in there. And, I, and I'm watching him go, wow. You know what's funny? is like, I always, you know, I just told my wife this. I was like, you know, I was in L.A. writing... I had a hit record when I was in my 20s. And I was like, you know what? That oh, time. Tell us what it is. I, oh, it's called Hold You Tight by Tara Kemp on Warner Brothers. Mm-hmm. But during that time, also, I was doing these little auditions for, like, I was in extras in a bunch of, like, you know, right. TV shows. But I was like, man, that was the time I could have been on, like, you know, I don't know, Family Matters or, you right. know. And I was like, why didn't I do that? <laughs> <laughs> you know, because it was, it was a time, like, I could have really. You know, I was single. I didn't have any kids, and right. I could have pushed myself to really be like out there and doing it. But it's like you know, one of those things you didn't really think about back. And again, it was before the internet and all that stuff. Right. So. Yeah. Well, it's crazy. We're going to Chicago. My wife's from Chicago. We're going mm. to Chicago, and she says, "Do you want to go check into the theaters there?" Mm. And I'm like, "Why?" Because <laughs> I'm not a young guy. Yeah, I'm not gonna go audition, and I may, I may go audition. But seriously, if somebody offers me a role, that means for two months, I'm going to be in Chicago. That means, and and one of the weirdest things about being married is, you know where you're going to bed every night. You know who you're going to bed with every night. Whatever mood you're in. If you're feeling frisky, oh, hey, I got it hooked (laughs) up tonight. If you just want to go to bed and not worry about it, even if you're mad, you know who you're going to bed with. But some of you get out of town on a gig... And you may not think about it. You're loving the gig. Everything's cool. And then you go back to that empty bed. You're like, uh, wait a minute. Oh, shit. Y'all should have paid me some more money. This empty (laughs) bed. I I, I don't do this. I don't do the empty bed no more. Yeah. And I I look at myself. I mean, I I was actually in New York. You know, I I finished up at NYU. Mm -hmm. And I did a bunch of... um, tech related shows and I guess if I had because I, a lot of my friends really you know they basically just did th- and they, they had nothing on their resumes at all we were all right. coming out of school so right. we we're all doing like regional theater stuff right. to try to move on up there were, I went to schools with guys like Jesse Martin I was going to say did, were you at Tisch or were, Tisch to yeah. School of the Arts mm. Circling Square um, mm. for all four years wow, wow. And um, and Philip Seymour Hoffman was uh, just above me. Wow! Uh, he used to call me Burger King because I went to Burger King all the time. <laughs> but these guys, it's true. Right, but uh, these guys, re- I mean, some of these guys really, really pushed and just told themselves, hey, I don't have a lot of experience, but what the hell? I'm just going to go out there and do it. Unfortunately, I was not one of them because wow. um, there was so much debt. And I was like, hey, I need a job. So. Right. I got a job at the uh, the graduate school law um, law the law right. um, graduate law school, 
mm-hmm. there. And I went to Forbes magazine. And for, after a while, I just said, well, I'm doing my day job and I'm tired when right. I get home. So that's it. And unfortunately, I just gave up on theater. And when I back, went back home, I started mm-hmm. writing for my dad's group because mm-hmm. I wanted to, you know, see if we can, you know, push and see that. But, you know, um, middle-aged guys in the world of hip-hop ain't going to happen. So, wow. you know, we, we gave it a shot. And um, <laughs> and then I came back here and boom, and got involved in theater again. So I understand opportunities. We have, we've all had great, well, this, great opportunities. I, I feel like this is part of what this show is about. Yeah. This is part of what we're doing is kind of going, you know, check in because yeah. like TBA has got a thing. If you're you're new and you're trying to get in, we want to help you. They want to give you a wow. little step ladder to your career. And I'm like, step ladder? That's like three steps. <laughs> I've been in this for a long time. You can give me a six foot ladder. I've been to the top of that a few times. Yeah. Uh, you know, getting to the top Mm-hmm. and whatever you define as the top yeah. but getting there yeah. is going to take a whole lot of stuff and y'all are not even trying yeah. to help mm-hmm. anybody there it's funny my wife is um, 13 years younger than me mm-hmm. and just, we just had this conversation last night we were watching um, some HBO show and she goes you know I just found a, a voice act, a voice acting class at Berkeley Rep and I go voice acting class I go I'm a voice actor right and yeah. she said Oh, stop it. I mean, you know, you can, you know, you still, I go, yeah, I understand. You can still take acting classes at this age and voice classes. But, you know, we, I've been, I've been doing this stuff for the last 20 years. You know, you and I, our last podcast, we talked about, we consider, you know, people may say, oh, I'm not professional because I'm not there. That's exactly where my brain went. Exactly. And, but... I still consider myself, okay, sure. Now, here's a question I'll ask the both of you. Mm. And I know I've asked this of myself. Do I feel bad that I didn't, let's say, make it in Hollywood or mm. I'm not a multimillionaire or I didn't, you know, become the lead actor in that big do, do budget I film? Do I wish I was Johnny Depp? Yeah, I wish I was Johnny Depp. <laughs> Fox Network wasn't about nothing. Right. 21 Jump Street. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And quit. Quit 21 Jump Street wow. to go off and do some crazy yeah. movies. Wow. Those are, the days when, those are the days when Fox was liberal. Right. Before yep. Roger Ailes. Before right. Uh, right. Rupert Murdoch. Right. Right. That's right. But they were trying married to do with kids, something. Married they were with trying children. to work yeah. outside of the box. Yeah. And give him credit, smart young man at the right place in the right time. Yes, I wish I was a smart young man in the right place at the right time. But I can also point, and I'm sure we all can, point to all kinds of folks who have been career- We've seen them our whole lives, but they've never done anything that really meant anything to us. They're always the guy next door. They're always the boss. They're always that impediment Mm -hmm. to the main character who we care about. Yeah. And then that gets pushed out of the way. And honestly, that's where, because you were talking, we started talking about regrets. There's lots of things I regret, but Mm. I'm not looking at some 40 or 50 year old person in their career who's still basically the guy next door who you don't care about, I don't want to spend. I, yeah. I'm, I'm happy I didn't spend 20 years achieving that status. Yeah. I, I'm happy about that. It's interesting, though. Like I, I think in my time right now where I'm going through, it's not midlife crisis, but it's more about like... Well, it's midlife. Yeah, it's the experience that we've had. We're sort of resting on this 
this cache of of wealth of information, right? We have oh, this yeah. experience. Yeah. And so, like, where I teach right now, there's this group of 20-somethings that are coming up, and they're all sort of learning. You know, they also have that learn their sort of gift of gab and their whole thing. Yeah. And so they're looking at me like, ah, look at this old man, right? Right. But then all of a sudden, I, I bring out these little gems, and I'm like, yeah, I had to do this. Yeah, right. I had to hear record. You right. know, and all of a sudden, they're like, what? <laughs> right. So, but, I'll, but at the same time, I feel like the old griot yeah because now i'm like okay these guys are coming up and i'm sort of like been there right and so i'm trying to find, f- figure out where my space is you know in this creative space you know well and that's you i'm sure both of us could name all of us all three of us mm-hmm. you two could name um folks who you remember when mm-hmm. and it's funny because we do a where are they now mm-hmm. i don't have one for this week i got two people i'm gonna try and find but uh, try to get to respond. Mm-hmm. But um, there are all kinds of folks, and they hit, and they hit big, probably. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all know about them, mm-hmm. but have you heard about them in the last 10 years? Mm. And did they do enough for a period where they might have made enough of a nut that if they didn't want to do it, like Barry Manilow, I love Barry Manilow came out of the closet. That cracks me up. <laughs> like nobody knew. Please, dude, we knew. <laughs> yeah. But he also came out of the closet. He keeps coming out of the closet on the, I'm really shy and I'm really a private person. And I'm like, well, that explains it not because you were never, you were never that engaging performer. Wow. So when you stopped trying to be that engaging performer, we didn't miss it. Wow. We weren't saying like I just had actors last night saying, somebody should do um, what's the uh, Show Me the Money movie, um, Jerry Maguire. Yeah, yeah. Um, somebody said, why isn't there a sequel to Jerry Maguire? <laughs> you know, there are people, there are things that we all know that we're like, doing, oh, I want to see more of this. Because he's doing a sequel to Top Gun. That's why it came up, because he mentioned that. But um, but there are plenty of them where we're like, yeah, no, you like Barry Manilow. No, dude, you don't ever need to write another song or do another album. I really don't care. And the folks that loved what you did when you did it, they will keep coming out to see you. Right. So you can just go on that, that mm-hmm. tour and you can be fine. But... Do you need to keep doing? Right. And right. at the same time, like, I grew up on Bob Dylan. So, and his muttering ass. You can't understand <laughs> nothing that man says or says. <laughs> Thank you. That's, now, that's, I, now, I love Bob Dylan. I mean, I yeah. I too. Yeah. And when he's articulate, he's uh-huh. amazing. And the fact that he keeps wanting to do it. So he did a Christmas album, The Boys of Jew. But you grew up in America. Yeah. You can't get away from Christmas. So he yeah. said, No, I grew up on this. And he did the Christmas polka, which I to- it's like a burlized thing. I totally <laughs> forgot about that. Wow. And I'm like, Okay. At this age, if you give me the opportunity, I got to do yeah. now you don't know this, but we talk about it almost every podcast. I started this year doing Death of a Salesman. Oh cool. Which is this old war horse of a play. Are you were you what's his I name? I wasn't Willie. Yeah. Okay. I was the neighbor. Oh but as a black man, I'm like, wait a minute. So I've known Willie's kids since they were kids. His kids wow. were playing with my kid, who's also in the play. Yeah. And uh that means I'm a black man that grew up with you. So whatever period we put this in, we were young adults, young parents together. Wow. And now we're parents of adult children together. And I'm a black man and you're a crazy old white man. And boy, doesn't that speak to our times. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. So it was fascinating. Yeah. And the guy playing Willie just had his 70th birthday. And again, we've talked about this in the podcast before. Um, Julian, Julian Lopez Maria. Um, was playing Willie. 
It's such a gem of a role. Believe me, when I get to be 70 years old, I want to be hitting some stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So I'm not near done with the arts. But at the same time, and again, for me, this is a big part. That's why I wanted the where are they now? Mm -hmm. Because for every me there is who's still out there in it, there's at least a dozen or two dozen folks that I know who back in the day were at least as good as me. And they've moved on to other things. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because I want to honor that. I'm also thinking about like all the August Wilson plays that um, Denzel's bringing back. Yeah. And yeah. I think about his career. So I think about right. like, you know, he started as the young hottie, you know. Right. Denzel. Oh my God, Denzel. Yeah. Yeah. And now he's playing the dad or the grandfather or the, the, the older person. Yes. Sure. And so he's now turned a, a corner in his and life. I hadn't thought about it, but you're right. That. To that, em- to that, embrace that Academy who Award, you are now. that yeah. Academy Award, and just mm-hmm. the nominations right. are going to allow him to do as much of that book as yeah. he yeah. wants to do, and he deserves to. Yeah, because yeah. Fences, you know, I tell you, the Fences movie. I don't think you've seen it yet. Oh, it's just fantastic. We were talking about. I might have um, to see it. Who who's the uh, actress? Octavia? No, 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 not no, Octavia, no, 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 Viola, Viola, Viola Davis. Davis yeah. That one scene Come because on, Academy Award. Come on, uh, no, no, no. But that, I brought it up in the last uh, podcast know, where that one moment that Viola Davis, where she's coming out of the kitchen and she reacts to, "Oh my God, you're having a baby with another woman, mm-hmm. and she's dead, and I have to take care of the baby." That one moment meant more than what Octavia Spencer did mm-hmm. in the um, the uh, that period Not piece. Even, um, uh, no, uh, the help. No, 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 no. Um, the it came out the same year. Oh, the um, the, the the hidden not hidden figures. Yes, yeah, hidden figures. figures. Yeah. Okay. yeah, exactly. Because um, you know people were wondering, well, why didn't Octavia Spencer get that? You know, right. get an Academy Award because <laughs> that moment that Viola Davis had in Fences was just fantastic. And which, Denzel which Washington have produced I not it. Seen? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm struggling. So, but to put to put a button on what we were talking about, regrets or whatever. So there's a um, a high school friend of mine who graduated a year after I did. Her name is Krista Rivers. And Krista, if you're listening, you know, shout out to you. Let me let me know what you're doing these days. She was in Do the Right Thing. Mm. Um, oh right, yeah. It came out in 1989 about Yusuf Hawkins and uh, you know the Spike mm. Lee joint. Yeah. And I was like, wow. And of course, I you know I I felt you know wonderment. Hey, that's fantastic for her. And also, God damn it. You know, why couldn't it have been me? (laughs) And then years later, I'm riding on the Metro in Washington, D.C., and there she is. I'm like, hey, how are you doing? And I'm confused. I'm like, wait a minute. I thought you're not in Hollywood. I figured you, you know, you hit the movie and you're you're connected or whatever. And she didn't get into the story. I didn't think she even wanted to get into the story. She was like, hey, you know, well, it was the thing. And. It you know I Hollywood had it in that's ring. it yeah Hollywood is the brass ring if you can enjoy just getting on the merry-go-round or just watching the merry-go-round mm-hmm. it's a fascinating thing to yeah. watch yeah go for that brass ring nothing wrong with going for it yeah but if it's all about just getting the brass ring and you can't appreciate and enjoy the rest of that ride mm-hmm. then you just put a whole lot of time and energy into something yeah because I think it's finite I I don't think you know you can't I remember t- talking to a friend of mine everyone can't. Everyone wants a piece of the pie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Some people are just going to get crumbs. You know, well, and, and it used to be one Negro. <laughs> yeah. You know? mm-hmm. Sidney Poitier, it can't be nobody else. <laughs> I was so yeah. surprised when I started to learn all of the other incredible actors that mm-hmm. were in Hollywood mm-hmm. and doing movies yeah. at that time. 
Because when I grew up, it was Sidney Poitier, and everybody else, no, 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 no. Yeah. And then you suddenly realize, and you go back, and you see those guys, and you're like, oh, geez, you, you have that dignity, you have that power, you have all of that, and your role is this tiny, absolutely, but you kept your dignity. Mm-hmm. Not everybody got to do that and get it up on the big screen. Well, it's also, like, I think about, like, New York versus L.A. versus, you know what I'm saying? Like, right. there's so many, like places now where you can do theater and is that something that will transcend into film or multi you know other mediums and i feel like you know like i said like my my first real trip to new york was like oh my god i'm here you know like it was like that hustle bustle energy i remember walking the streets oh yeah it was exciting but like my first time living in la was absolutely horrible well, is LA, that right? LA, you know, LA is horrible. Just, just being, LA is physically a oh, horrible yeah. city. I've never be. been to LA. What, what was your experience? I mean, you know, at first it, it felt like, okay, here we are. Because I actually, my first time there, we had, the song was already playing on the radio here in San Francisco in the Bay Area. And so we went to LA. It was sort of like, okay, um, you have a meeting with this label or this manager. And so it was kind of like more of this like, rush rush um kind of manipulative kind of vibe you know it was very manipulative i think and so i didn't really settle in to that space Mm -hmm. and so i never felt really comfortable living Mm -hmm. in you know in la and then but but, i mean literally the the three four times i've been in in new york was always like there was a party Mm -hmm. with some amazing actors or some amazing some after hours after hours stuff like you know hey we did this great play over here you know i mean really it was about sharing rather than you know Mm -hmm. this kind of standoffish kind of vibe you know which i always got you know when i was living in la so yeah i mean i really i don't know it's just you know when I think about, like I said, now, where would I go to sort of create this art? I think New York is sort of a place I would really be more comfortable mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I mean, maybe I would find some cool LA, people. LA, you know, city is such a nebulous thing. Mm-hmm. And LA is a very nebulous city. LA, because I, I grew up down there. And when you drive, you drive through these little mm-hmm. cities, and all there is is on the sidewalk is a little sign saying, Welcome to Glendora. Welcome to Azusa. Mm-hmm. Almost nothing changes. Sometimes it changes very drastically because they have different zoning or whatever, but you're driving down the same street. Mm-hmm. Yep. Nothing feels like it changed. And by the time you find yourself in what is downtown L.A., mm-hmm. you've driven through a web of freeways. That is really that's, more that's than what always here. That's what I always hear. Yeah. But uh, but you know thinking about what you're talking about as far as where do you go I'm also thinking an actual physical place yeah may not be the thing I'm you know with the internet right. there's so many stuff I find myself looking on YouTube almost all the time mm-hmm. because whatever's happening on TV I, I watch maybe TV maybe I don't know two hours or three hours a week or something like mm-hmm. I'm watching right. more because. You know, I'm watching the playoffs and, you know, the Warriors right. and the Cavaliers. That's going to be one epic <laughs> series. What is it? Three? What do they call it? They, they have some term for the three. Oh, it? is that right? Yes. Warriors, yes. Cavs, three. Yes. It's just yes. like Ollie yes. Frazier, three. It's going to be fantastic. It's going to be amazing. Can, I, can if, I tell you a secret? Yeah. yeah. This is an exclusive. 
uh, I have tickets to game one. Oh my god! Ooh. So yeah, we have a friend over at the Warriors. Who oh man! Up me and I, I thought I have to take five of my students. Oh nice! Wait a minute, how many game. tickets do you have? I, well, they gave us six. <laughs> five, wow. five students and one chaperone. Can I be a student? <laughs> yeah, you're an actor. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Hey, that's that is so cool. I'm like, man, my wife is gonna kill me. She's gonna <laughs> kill no, me. in Oakland. Yeah, yeah. Before oh, it's, it's gonna be off the hook. Oh. I mean, the battle, man. The monster. What do you call them? The Cleveland Monsters. Yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> but getting back to television, if it weren't for that. I wouldn't be watching TV because there's really nothing. So maybe transitioning to just putting yourself, have you thought about putting your stuff just on the web and like, I don't know, creating a website and just trying to market yourself? Because there are all sorts of little companies, you know, like production companies used to go to these big major like uh, studios and say, hey, I've got something here. Can you produce it for me? And or you know, can you? This is what we've done. Mm-hmm. Or production companies like um, MGM and and whatever Paramount, mm-hmm. they'll go to these little production companies. Hey, can you create something and we'll do it for you? Mm-hmm. But now they're going to Hulu. Mm-hmm. They're going to Hulu and right. um, Netflix. And, and Netflix YouTube. that are becoming YouTube. YouTube TV. That's right. I yeah. just passed that book. YouTube Red. And I said. What's YouTube TV? And the boy was in the back seat. Oh my gosh! I will totally put this out there because he's never going to listen to it. <laughs> um, no. Um, so he had his not girlfriend, his friend. <laughs> not girlfriend well, he's working on it. That um, he's that trying to steal first. To ride home. He's trying to so steal first I or second. To, so, ride home so we go and we drop her off downtown here yeah actually not far from here chinatown yeah and then we're riding back and i see this billboard and i'm like youtube tv what the hell is that and he said because it's 35 bucks a month that's what the billboard mm-hmm. says what is it 35 bucks wow. a month and he said i said what do you get for that and he said well it's way better than uh, tv because uh when you do cable, it's like hundreds of dollars. And I'm like, wow, dude, you are really somebody who doesn't pay a bill. <laughs> okay, but that's the marketing, apparently. It's hundreds of dollars for cable, but you can get it all but on YouTube for $35. He hasn't watched though. it. Has he watched it? Not that, because he's got a hookup. He's got Hulu and he's got the other hookup. Because he's saying it's better. How does he know it's better? Because they're marketing, of course. Yeah, marketing. Well, you know, it's, and it's also about like these... These YouTube sensations that have come up in the last, you know, what, 10 years. He knows them. I mean, it's yeah. kind of scary because my students, when they put on their resume, they say, I want to be a YouTube star. Right. Or yeah. I want you, you know, I'm like, what? what does that even mean? And, you know, there's, a, sure, there are dudes like PewDiePie and they're little, you know, right. teenagers who are doing these, you know, like a makeup tutorials and they're making money. But there can be things of substance there are things of substance on YouTube. There are. And I subscribe to a couple of, you know, like there's one guy who does these um, wonderful retrospectives of old movies, a guy named Oliver Harper who does things, and mm. a guy named Sam McDougal who does things. And these are just guys in their apartments, in their basements, oh, I just, just doing to, things. I spent 20 minutes the other morning listening to this incredible this video of the history of the world in the context of the universe mm. but of course it comes down to earth history mm-hmm. and he's just crazy it, it, it reminds me of the honey badger video mm-hmm. that 
that was just so fucking crazy and, and wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's like, if you've ever hated National Geographic and hated a mutual <laughs> Omaha wildlife kingdom. Yeah. Or David, so David Attenborough. Oh, yeah, if you've God. ever found that and gone, y- y'all are tired. <laughs> this stuff is just popping and hot, but it's as informational. And mm-hmm. it was the whole history of the world wow. in like 20 minutes. And I was like, and Mara kept coming back. She was getting ready to go. It was one of the mornings... This week, every morning, she's had to get up and go. And if I'm not out of bed when she's up, I need to be out of bed as soon as she's up because I really need to be out the door like 20, 25 minutes after. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but when she got up and she was doing her thing, I turned that on and I was like, at first, I'd actually turned it on the night before and I saw it and I said, I'm going to save that. And so when I woke up the next morning, I looked at it and I was like, 20 minutes? I got 20 minutes. <laughs> Let's see how much. Let's see how far you get me. Mm-hmm. And within five, six minutes, I was like, "Okay, I'm watching the rest of this." And she kept walking through, and wow. normally I'll turn it off because she's trying to get ready and get her stuff. <laughs> I'm like, "You can stay out of the bedroom right now." I'm yeah. listening to this. It's funny, but you can do the same thing. Well, well yeah, I mean, and I'm, I'm amazed that. So this is another thing with as far as because I've you know I do media at school or, mm-hmm. or with my students, and I just feel like you know I've been doing this since I was like what 2004, and I'm like. Whew. How long does it take to make a movie? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm tired, you know, because I, you know, I we do like, you know, we used to do these like, you know, once every semester we do like a half an hour show mm-hmm. with wow. students. With uh-huh. students, it's a little harder because it takes them a while to get the, you know, the writing down and you know mm-hmm. the editing and production. Yeah, and I'm thinking like, wow, like these guys did an episode you know like I think Issa Rae Issa Rae is actually a really good example mm-hmm. so she did a YouTube show called Awkward Black Girl or whatever mm-hmm. that's turned into an HBO show called oh, Insecure right. yes. oh nice right? Yes, right and so I looked at her stuff on YouTube and I'm like oh okay I could do this it's like 15 minute a 15 minute show mm-hmm. right Right. and then yeah. HBO bought it and said let's make this into a half an hour show right yeah but at the same time, I mean, it takes a team. And I think that's where it comes down to is, like, if you can get a team of people and sit down with a group of people and, you, you know, one person is doing the writing, one person is doing the, the, the camera cinematography, one person is doing the editing, you could probably put out, like, a bunch of different episodes. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just like a theater production. I mean, if, yep. if, if you're doing a theater production, you, you just, like Norm, like, when you, when you start out, when you start out with Oakland Public Theater, did you just put it out on Craigslist or whatever to assemble oh, no, a company? No, no. I went through TBA. Okay. Because there was mm. an organization that was aimed at the theater community. And the big thing for me when I started, when I decided to start mine, I didn't want to do it from scratch. That's not really the right way to put it. I did not want to disrespect the existing community. Mm. I wanted to be a part of the existing community and I wanted to take advantage of all the folks like me mm-hmm. who I'm running around doing auditions and I'm only getting a show every now and then there's a lot of people every time I get a part there's five or six people at least who are not getting that part and there's some talented people so I was like and I had worked with companies that recognized that and were taking advantage of it, and I was like well mm. there's still plenty more talent out there I can take advantage of that so for me it was important to not I, I talk to folks that want to start their own thing. We want to do it different than everybody else is doing and do all that. And I'm like, that's that's fine. If you honestly, everybody's perspective is unique. That's the thing you need to recognize when mm-hmm. you do this. Mm-hmm. Don't think that you're doing something nobody else is doing. Mm-hmm. It's only nobody else is doing it because it's your perspective. 
but the way you record, the way you put up a show, mm -hmm. the way you promote a show, that has don't reinvent the wheel. Mm. People have already done that. Why don't mm -hmm. you tap into that? So my auditions have always been posted and listed on the places where people would normally look. And I've talked to the casting directors that I felt comfortable talking to about, can you help me out with this? And I'm looking for that. Because mm -hmm. that's what I wanted to do. And then when I invite you in to do my show, I want to make sure that it's... I've done a few shows where it's been in rehearsed in somebody's living room. But I tried not to produce any show that way. Because I felt like, you know, I'm as an actor, I'll respect you. Especially if you're respecting me mm -hmm. when I come in under the circumstances. But I still kind of go, wow, we're doing it in your living room. You take me to a little space someplace, that's cool. Now, Death of a Salesman was in a space, no heat. And we're mm. rehearsing in January. <laughs> and it was the wettest January we've had in years. Yeah. It was cold and wet and nasty. And people stayed sick the whole time we oh, were there. No. Actors stopped me one day as we were running. And I'm all happy because I'm up there acting. And somebody <laughs> says, wow, you see, it was so amazing. Because every time you spoke, we could see your breath. Oh, my God. And I thought, well, that's what the audience is going to watch when we do the show but once we got lighting on it then it warmed up the room enough so you weren't really seeing that's breath, pretty but, funny. but still that's what i'm okay working that level but it, for me it's really important as a producer mm -hmm. to make sure that i can do everything i can to say to you i respect you and your level of talent so if i'm giving you less than a professional setting mm -hmm. i'm apologizing to you and asking you if it's okay yeah you can't you can't fake the funk you can't tell you know present yourself as a theater company or whatever and you don't really don't have it that way right. but you can you can assemble i mean a group you know if you wanted to have like a film like i have a camera like i have a right. uh, a, a um it's like a sony thing i use it for work all the time uh -huh. um not that i don't have the film experience but i'm sure you can put something on craigslist yeah and you know assemble something and even if you just do it once mm -hmm. and nothing came up you, you at least tried right right well, so and, and your example you know, you looked at what's out there in the big world, in the professional world, and mm -hmm. said, that's doable. Yeah. I, I know how to do that. I got the skill for that. I got the facility. Yeah. <laughs> we can do this. I mean, and I know people in the Bay Area who are actually doing these little tiny, I think it's called webisodes, yeah. that they're trying to market to the production companies. Because like, like you said, there's all these companies now finally opening up for the smaller right. companies, you know, to yeah. say, hey, we need material. We right. need we yep. need product. Yep. Right. Yep. You know, and I think this is a great time, mm -hmm. you know, and especially if you have a good story. Mm -hmm. You know, because not, not a whole lot of people have good stories. Exactly. That's what I know? talk about, the substance. I mean, yeah. a lot of people have YouTube channels, but some are substantial, like, you know, the history of the world. Like, when you were talking about that, Norm, I, was, I had seen on YouTube, someone had did the history of Earth from the Big Bang Theory. Yeah. And it was amazing. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. That might have been it. Yeah. It was like 19 something minutes. It was. Mm -hmm. Wow. <laughs> but then you have a bunch of just crap. I mean, yeah. subs, uh, you know, but, you know, kids are watching it. And of course, anyone who's done something like, you know, Street Fighter Five, oh, I, you know, I got the top score or whatever. Yeah. Well, they put or, it up on or, there. Or like I, and I'm sure we all do this. Mm -hmm. Somebody I respect put up a little video of this, oh, this cute, cute little girl with this big big afro <laughs> and they were teaching her about reading mm -hmm. and so she was getting it and it was going okay 
But really, it's not deep or profound. It is wonderful <laughs> for the world to know that there's little black children mm -hmm. who are totally little black children. That was mm -hmm. a big old afro. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> who are learning to read. There are a lot of people who need that message. Yeah, I don't need that message. <laughs> I live that message. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I, that's what I'm like. I got like. I think I actually listened for about 35, 45 seconds, and I was like, that's cool. I will give you a heart for that because I love it, but mm -hmm. I'm done. I don't need to watch the rest. Yeah. I'm not going to watch two more minutes of this. Yeah. So when I talk about substance, of course, your mileage may vary, but obviously there are, you know, you can most definitely there's room for you know some serious substantial stuff mm -hmm. and if you put it out there i mean like i said if it succeeds or fails or whatever and maybe you know you can attract someone from youtube red or you know what or youtube tv or whatever but it's like i do this podcast here right. i basically just did a little bit of research and i'd listened to a bunch of podcasts and i'm like hey i really want to do this yeah. right i've never done it before what the hell let me just put it out there and and now i love this because it's funny because reg talked about bringing a guest in and I was like, how are we going to do that? And then I thought, you know what? I don't have an answer to that at all. But that's not a good reason not to do it. <laughs> it's not a good reason, you know, to say, hey, I don't know what you're going to say mm -hmm. or what you're going to bring to it. But let's check in with you. Yeah. This is a chance to say, let's bring something new into this. So I'm glad that you were available and you were happy to come in. Yeah, I'm really glad to be here. I mean, again, I've been... You know, trying to, you know, find a way to get back in the room with you guys. <laughs> so, like I said, it's a family reunion. Yeah. 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 So maybe we can next time we can do a stage reading. <laughs> <laughs> no, see, that's stage. Mm -hmm. We're going to keep that on the stage. Oh, okay. So what about you wanted to bring up um, Memorial Day's coming up? Memorial Day's coming up, and I am a veteran. I was in the Army. That's right. right Thank, you. Thank you for your service, man. Thank you for your I, service. Oh, my God. I hate that phrase. I hate that <laughs> phrase. No, no, no. Okay, because you, you the only it. reason yeah. I joined, yeah. the only I'm a lifelong pacifist. I was, I did not know it, but I was a lifelong pacifist when I joined. I grew up in the hippie era. I was like, yeah, you know, fuck mm. the man, <laughs> down with the war. I was all about that. And I was about to graduate high school, and you take all those tests getting ready for college, right? Well, the military slips in their ASVAB, the Armed Ooh. Services Vocabulary Aptitude Battery. They slip that in there. And so I took the test. So I'm waiting on test results, and they send their results out when they know everybody else is sending their results. So you get that envelope, you're like, cool. And they did it in these colorful graphics. I'm like, oh, okay. And it's a graphic with a, you know, it's a graph. Whoa. Okay, I'm, it looks like I'm doing good on that graph, but it says, but if you want to know what this means, come in and talk to us at the recruiting uh, office. I'm like, I'm not stupid. I know what <clears> y'all <throat> want. Fine, I'm going to go down here. I'm going to see what y'all got to say. <laughs> and I really was being an arrogant anti-war person going down there. And I listened to the man, and he does. The only other time I've ever heard this is them door-to-door -door insurance salesmen. They knock on your door. Wow. They come in. Well, what, well, here's what we're offering. Like, what's your name? What is your age? And they're filling out a form the whole time. Wow. Um, now, let's Are they talking to your parents at all? I'm just saying, like with the insurance. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Okay. For the insurance. Yeah. So they come and they, they talk this hypothetical to you, but they're steady filling out a form the whole time. Yeah. And they get to the bottom. <laughs> so if you were to sign this form, you would be committing to blah, 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 blah. And they hold the pen out to you. 
And apparently wow. they get people to sign those guidelines. I'm like, we're having a hypothetical conversation. This is like Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, like Seriously. Shelley Levine. Yeah. Sign on the line. So I don't know any of this as a young person, but I know when somebody's playing me. Wow. So I'm sitting there listening and I'm like, yeah, 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 Phil, 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 that's fine. I'm 17. I can't legally sign nothing. That's why I asked about your parents. So he says, well, I'll bring the paperwork to the house. And I'm like, this has just got better. <laughs> I'm, I'm a high school kid. I got nothing but time. So, yeah, I came down here to waste your time. Now you're going to drive to my house? We go seriously waste your time. I'm looking forward to this. Wow. My mama has been, you know, Afro, dashiki. <laughs> my, my, um, Angela Davis. My stepfather is anti-establishment. Bob Dylan listening. This is going to be great. I'm looking forward to this. <laughs> Sergeant, whatever his name was, walks up, knocks on the door. Uh, hi, Mrs. G. Well, no, my name's not Mrs. G. It's Mrs. M- oh, Mrs. McIntyre. I'm so sorry. Well, you know, Norman's really looking forward to this. And I'm just standing there. Big smile on my face. And I'm like, I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait. Oh so all God. you need to do is sign on this line. She takes the pen, signs. <laughs> Which is totally what you did not expect. <laughs> I, yeah, I was in shock. Thank you so much, Mrs. Mrs. McIntyre. Wow. Thank you so much. And Norma, we'll see you in August. What? Oh, man. And I just stood there with, oh. And what did you tell your mom? <laughs> I say nothing. So I was in shock. I couldn't say anything. I spent that weekend having all my friends come at me. Ooh. And they said, actually, the worst thing they could have said, you can't do this. And I'm thinking, what the fuck are you talking about? I can't do it. It's done. <laughs> I can say no, but you can't tell me I can't do this. This is done. Oh my and I God. spent the weekend feeling like, um, what's that What's that old fairy tale? Uh, Boy Cried Wolf. Yeah. I'm like, I can't go and say, uh, no, y'all. I, so this would have been 76, right? This is 77. Okay, wow. okay. Now, the only reason I finally just said, okay, just suck it up, and it's not going to be that bad is because this is, was just as they were getting rid of the draft. But I don't think they'd gotten rid of it quite in 77. Yeah. And um, I had a history class. The history Ooh. of the United States Wars. History of the Wars of America. We've been at war since we were be- before we were a country. We have never gone a decade without being at war. Yeah. Yep. And so, with a draft, you get drafted at 18. You can be drafted until you're 34. Oh my gosh. And we go a few years without a war every now and then. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, I get in, I do four years, I get out, I'm done. I've done my service. Right. Cool. Otherwise, we are going to be in another war before I turn 34. There's no way that's not going to happen. So I'm like, okay, I'll take my chances. That'll get me out of town. (laughs) Let's see what happens. (laughs) First place I go is Korea. First place I'm stationed wow. is Korea. I mean, I go and I do my training in the U.S. and then I'm sent to Korea. To date, the longest ceasefire in history. To date. Wow. It's still going on. So there's an active DMZ. You can actually go up and look at the DMZ. Holy but they tell Lord. you, be careful, because every now and then they the shoot. Demil- the demilitarized zone, right? Demilitarized zone. Every now and then they shoot across the border. I'm like, wow, y'all are serious. Uh, oh, they tell us at my camp, which is... Two hours away, not two hours away, it's down the road. They say if they were to come across the line, 70% of you will be dead in the first two hours. But that gives us enough time to tell the 101 and the Rangers and all them people to get in planes and come over here. So if Kim Jong-un decided to 
Yeah. Let one fly. Yeah. Wow. Hmm. Yeah. 70%. Uh, I mean, I don't like, I, I didn't sign up for this. Okay, so then my next year, I go back. I'm in Fort Lewis, Washington, up in Washington State. It's beautiful. It was when Mount St. Helens blew. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm, and now I'm starting to question <laughs> the sanity of what I did. Because one day I'm sitting in the mess mm-hmm. hall, and this crazy, big, thick-necked fool comes running through. We gonna nuke them towel heads! <laughs> <laughs> because they snatched a bunch of our. Um, it, this is 1979. Right. Going into 80, uh, they t- snatched a bunch of American oh, hostages. That's right. 444 days. I remember that. I remember that so wow. well. Jimmy Carter and the uh, uh, Shah of Iran and that I'm whole thing. In the military, suddenly I'm like, I am a conscientious objector. I didn't know what that meant before, but I looked it up. Yes, that's who I am. Wow. And nobody wants to help you. And then the weirdest thing, I saw a flyer on a post, on post, and it said, auditions for the Army Chorus. Huh. And I went, well, I did choir my whole high school. I did choir all four years. Uh, I, can, I can read music. I, I, I can do this. So I went out and auditioned. They, they put me in the choir. Whoa. For six months, I was in the choir. That was my job. Show up in the morning, rehearse. Go to lunch, come back, Whoa. rehearse. We go out, we perform in the community, we perform for official functions. That was my job for six months. And it's special duty. Like KP is special duty, Kitchen right. Patrol is special duty. Um, it's not your job. My job was to work on radio systems for helicopters right. and aircraft. But for six months, my job was just to sing. That means I'm on somebody else's roster and he's pissed because he doesn't have control of me. So they put a new unit together. They're going to reconstitute a unit and send it to Germany. Ooh. And he's like, you can have him. And so my last year was sitting in Germany, which doing, is beautiful. Doing what? Avionics mechanic. I went back to that. Now, wow. as soon as I got there, there is an Army Chorus Europe in Germany. And so I went and I auditioned. And you have to do a sight reading test. I actually hired a voice coach. And learned a little bit of um, sight, sight reading. reading. Oh, oh wow! Um, and I went and I got it and I did it. And they said you scored high on all this. We don't have a position what? for you right now. And I sat on my butt, just waiting to get out. Got in a little bit of trouble. Got sergeant. I actually made sergeant rank. And then two months before I get out, <laughs> I get these orders saying we have a position open. And I'm like, no. If y'all hadn't done what y'all did to me in Washington where I was doing that, but y'all didn't have control of me, right. somebody else could snatch me out and send me back to a combat unit, I would have signed up again. Wow. But I was done. So that's my time. I didn't save none of y'all. I didn't protect <laughs> none of y'all. But you would have. I didn't. No, I wouldn't. I would have run. I would have run. I'm in Korea where nobody looks yeah. like me. And the first time we did a field exercise, most field exercises are real simple. Yeah. Most field exercises, they tell you, we've got a field exercise coming up. You're going to drop out when they call it. We're going to get into formation. We're going to count heads. Wow. We're going to talk about what we do next. But every now and then, you get in that formation. They said, and now go get on the trucks. Wow. Like, what? Yeah, go pack a bag and get on that truck. And you go out in the field. Wow. And you don't know if it's real or not. And the first time that happened, I'm sitting on the back of the truck going, okay, so when we stop for gas, I could jump out this truck. Ooh. I could run. I could hide someplace. I could find some clothes. 
I'm going to have a hard time pretending I'm Korea, but I'm going to pretend. <laughs> I'm going to find a boat. I'm getting out of here. There's a black, man, not... there's a black man in South Korea. <laughs> oh, my God. So I knew. That's why when I got to Washington that I knew I was a conscientious objector. I'm like, I am not doing this. It's not about cowardice. I don't believe in this. Yeah. Tell me a good reason that I should be sitting trying to shoot somebody, mm-hmm. and I'll consider it. But otherwise, you can't just tell me to shoot them people. Them people are trying to shoot me. Yep. I'm not shooting them people. I don't know that guy. Once upon a time, we used to fight wars that had absolute meaning. I mean, you know, World War One, World War Two. no one questions why we're doing that. And then all of a sudden... Vietnam is like well you know and and the whole domino theory and well and and you know I, we I don't, don't I don't even know about them I I'm not on that page and I wasn't on that page mm-hmm. so when people want to say thank you for your service what I will honor what I will respect is the people who signed up took an oath mm-hmm. and I am a ex Catholic I don't take an oath I always take an oath seriously if I promise you something. I must really hate you if I'm lying to you. If I don't absolutely hate you, I'm going to try and do whatever I can to live up to my oath. Yeah. Um, and that's why the con- I looked up the conscientious objector thing. I really did. I, re- I went to the military library and researched it because I'm like, I'm not going to pretend. I'm not going to run. In Korea, I was scared and I was ready to run. I'm like, no, that's not going to be. I'm not going to live that life. Mm-hmm. So I tried to look it up. I'm not that guy, but those young guys that get out of school or in a bad situation, yep, we talked and about get that. Recruited, yeah, um, and they find themselves on the front line. I hope that they are all that honorable, yeah, mm-hmm. and I do respect that they are putting their lives on the line, whether they chose to or not. Mm-hmm. They're putting it on the line for us, so I respect that. But Memorial Day is not that day for me. And it's Memorial a difficult, Day. Go ahead. It's sorry. It's a difficult thing too, because you know. You know, some of us grow up being critical thinkers, you know. Right. And others grow up, you know, fresh out of high school, still developing that, you know, frontal lobe. Right. And being told by the military, this is what you do. Right. You know, so all of a sudden, now you adapt to this new world. And whether you know or not what you're doing, you do what you're told. And you've been made more powerful right. than you've ever been, for me anyway. Mm-hmm. Right. I came out of school in great shape. By the time I came out of boot camp, I came home to visit. I really was walking down the street wishing somebody would say or do something. Right. I wanted to pound somebody. Wow. I really wanted to. I was oh. in better shape I'd ever been in in my oh, life. Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. So you take that person and yeah. you throw them on a the front line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ooh. And, you know, that's... that's I, you know, I, I fault and I hear what you're saying because my dad, I want to share the story about my dad. My dad is um, I, I um, he was in the army in 67 in uh, Vietnam, at right around time. Era, That's yeah. right. In the Vietnam era. And I believe he he was a medic um, during the Ooh. Vietnam War. And now his story is and I'll tell this real, real quick. But basically he, he was running the streets. He was part of a gang in Washington, D.C. and mm-hmm. gangs. Back then in the 60s, a little different than what it is now. Right. They weren't running around with Uzis and Tech Nines uh, back then. I think he had like a gravity knife back then. Mm-hmm. So in any case, <clears throat> he was driving with a friend of his who had a shot, sawed off shotgun in the um, in the glove compartment. In the glove compartment. Um, oh, that's and, right. That's back when the glove compartments were big. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You know, the great big uh, Oldsmobiles and whatever. Some folks right. are still driving these great big things. I don't even know Around how. Around this town, yes, they are. In San Jose. So, um, so in any case, a cop, of course, stopped him. 
And, you know, it's like, what are these black dudes doing here? You know, get out of the car and all that stuff. And and some and dad, I think it was dad who opened up the glove compartment. And, you know, the cop, of course, freaked out. It was like, (laughs) get out right now. To get the registration. Well, he he went to get the registration. I don't think he even knew that the shotgun was there. It wasn't his car. So they get locked up in jail. And the judge did what I think was standard back then. The judge says, listen, you could do two years in jail. Or you can do four uh, in serving the army. Mm-hmm. Oh. So they served him up. And that's the one criticism that I had. Even now, the army, they have a wonderful recruiting method, or right. real, I should say all the armed forces, of going into these poor neighborhoods yep. and mm. picking on folks who are vulnerable. I'm not right. saying that, you know, I'm sure that there there are and one of the good things about the armed forces mm-hmm. you will get a trade dad did right. get a trade and as a matter of fact dad was running around mm-hmm. doing all sorts of bad things when he came out of the army right. he had a sense of focus right he had a vocation that he could, you know, mm-hmm. get right. into the job market and do things with. And he so wasn't really, susceptible to somebody saying, hey, dude, let's come, let's go with us. Right, right, right exactly. And, um, and, and, and actually it enabled him because he was, you know, my granddad was of the old, old school, you know, mm-hmm. where it was like, you know, boy, shut up and, you know, do what I tell you to do. Right. And he had a disdain for the sons. Uh, my dad is the youngest of eight kids, mm-hmm. four boys, four girls. And the boys were just running around doing all sorts of crazy stuff. Right. And it was the late 60s, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, uh, Black wow. Power and all this right. sort of stuff. Well, you and I were talking uh, off the air about um, Martin Luther King and Malcolm X right. around that time, mm. right. where there's a conflict between Christians fighting in the name of the Lord right. for civil rights right. and black power movement, you know, fuck the man and all that right. stuff. And, and, and Malcolm <clears throat> saying, you know, you're a fool. Mm-hmm. Right. If you're going to let the man do what he does to you and then go fight for him, you're a fool. Right. Yeah. So dad grew up in that era and my granddad had disdain mm-hmm. for those young folks who were causing ruckus or whatever. Right. And, you know, when Martin Luther King died, Every, you know, everything burned down, including right. oh, parts yeah. of Washington, D.C. Wow. I grew up in, you know, certain areas where they were just burned out buildings. And wow. I grew up thinking as a kid, wow, this is how life is. Right. This is what the ghetto is all about. And right. I had no idea why or how. Um, so he had disdain. But when dad came out back from the army, mm-hmm. my granddad had a renewed respect for his son. Because mm. it, it just, you know, he was an honorable individual and he, it, so the army, I mean, it can straighten out a kid's life a lot, who needs I, straightening when it out. When I came out, I wouldn't have recommended it to anybody. Mm-hmm. I do now. And in fact, I have a nephew and he's considering it. I've known other young men and I'm like, at this point in your life, because I know for myself, mm-hmm. if I hadn't gone in the army, the options that were available to me at that time were not more productive and there were some self-destructive options. And I missed all that by going in the Army. By mm-hmm. the time I came out, I had a little bit of understanding of corporate structure. Mm-hmm. I had a little bit of understanding of the power dynamics that, that are just in the world. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I'd gotten the, oh, I actually have some power. Like, getting in the chorus was huge. I did a lot of community theater while I was in the Army. That was huge. It gave me back a sense of myself and that creative power mm-hmm. and I was able to hold on to that and it wouldn't have happened otherwise I don't know what would have happened otherwise so mm. I'm happy about that my thing is just for me personally I will honor anybody else's mm-hmm. respect for that but Memorial Day comes from the Civil War 
That's right. That's where that, that, those are the origins of, the Civil of it. Yeah. War. Interesting. And it started happening in communities, and then states started honoring it. But they actually had different dates. If you look it up, you can look it up on Wikipedia. Different states had different things, and then finally the feds got into it and said, "Let's set it for a date." Right. And this is going to be. And initially, it was a civil war, and then World War One, and then World War Two, and they started adding everybody else in. So it has evolved over time. And all I'm saying is. Personally, I want to take that evolution beyond the 18-year-olds of the 1800s, the 18-year-olds of 1918, the 18-year-olds of 1942, and then now 1967, and now the Iraq and Afghanistan. If we're going to honor them, because my growing up with it, Memorial Day was the day that I, my grandparents always took me to a cemetery, and I saw all the flags on the graveyards, and we took flowers, and we put them on... They just wanted to use it as a day to remember mm -hmm. those who are no longer with us. And that's what I use Memorial Day for. As a veteran, when we get to Veterans Day at the other end of the year, November, mm -hmm. yeah, thank me for my service. And thank, and then let's thank all of them, living or dead. At that point, I'll focus on the military. I'm glad you brought that up because I didn't know really the difference in my mind right. between Memorial Day and Veterans Day. That's and you're right, is. we're honoring the dead. Veterans Day was Armistice Day. It was a celebration of the end of World the Great War, mm -hmm. the war to end all wars, which mm -hmm. is World War II, one, and one, right. misnamed because <laughs> mm -hmm. then we had two and hopefully three will happen after we're gone <laughs> wow but um that's the difference between those two because mm -hmm. armistice day november it was the 11th the 11th day the 11th hour of the 11th day was the 11th year yeah but um, close to so it yeah what, that, that was the big thing right um and that was that's what became armistice day and then got renamed as veterans day mm -hmm. so that's the difference between those two mm -hmm. so i'm not about i don't want to dishonor anybody but memorial day is about respecting the dead and honoring the dead and i don't want it to just be about the folks that were in uniform mm -hmm. for me yeah i use it as for me, and it's, I'm cheating because the other one is um, Dia de los Muertos, the uh, Day of the Dead, mm -hmm. right after Halloween, mm -hmm. is another day where you celebrate, you actually put out some food and stuff for the mm -hmm. folks that have died. That November 1st? It's, I oh, guess October. it is, yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, no, it's November 2nd. November okay. 2nd. Yeah, All yeah. Saint Day and All, All Souls Saint. Day. Right. Those I'll are write. different yeah. holidays. Yeah. Um, and that's what it is. And I like all of that. And then the other one, now that I've married a Jewish woman, is... Um, you take the actual day that somebody died and mm -hmm. it's a yard site candle and you can mm -hmm. buy it. You can buy it at friggin' Walgreens. Mm -hmm. Yard site candle. It's a candle to commemorate that day that somebody died. You burn oh. a candle and you let it burn all day. Interesting. So I think this is Memorial Day is just another day that we can stop and remember those that we loved and cared about mm -hmm. who are not here anymore. Will, do you have any family members or whatever who um, yeah, it's served? Just, it's funny because I was just talking to my mom about um, our family lineage. And, um, you know, my dad's parents died when he was, you know, some very, very young. He was in his 20s. Hmm. Um, his, his mom died of, uh, I think mom had some illness. But his dad was a merchant a marine. And um, the story was that he and his dad had an argument in the living room and his dad passed out like on the like wow know. yeah it was kind of traumatic but i always saw pictures of my granddad you know wearing his uniform and he was also a cook mm -hmm. um and so it's funny because all the men in our family were all very good cooks and so when i think about you know 
why how do i know how to cook so well is because of my uncle my granddad and my dad you know we're all the men in the family who were all cooking the food you know um but yeah i mean i think about you know memorial day as a really interesting day as well because there are people in my life who have served and who've died and it's interesting that i don't um think about it because in my generation we i didn't have to go fight you know right. i was, yeah, I was right. past the point right. yeah. at that point but we did march and you know for you know against the war in mm-hmm. uh in the in the gulf right 2003 um, yeah. yeah i remember you know going down market street like boom, 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 you know banging mm-hmm. the drums and mm-hmm. and the whole thing and even recently you know uh it just it seems really kind of eerie to me you know that we are now going back Right. You know, we're reversing we're the clock. Back. Yeah. Right. And I'm wondering if that's something that's a part of our 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 makeup as Americans or just in terms of who we, who are we? It's probably human. Yeah, yeah. I think my, my take and uh, I wanted to give a shout out to Howard Hill. Mm-hmm. That's a member of my family, an uncle of mine who was also um, well, he was in the Navy and he was a cook as well. Mm. And uh, he passed away. So um, but getting back to that, you know, um, I'm a bit I get into American history, especially right. the presidency and the you know, presidents uh, back in the day, I'll say, you know, like I think about Eisenhower. Mm-hmm. Eisenhower was, of course, the the allied commander right. of, of World, World War, War II. II yeah. And even when he became president, he had a healthy respect of order. He had a healthy respect of the veterans and of. If it's going to be a war, we go through it with Congress. You know, there are procedures that you do. And he warned us about the military industrial. He warned us about the military industrial complex in his last State of the Union address in 1960, Mm -hmm. basically saying, listen, there are these companies who sell arms, uh, Boeing and Bell. And I bet there's a bunch of other McDonnell Douglas and. KKR and yeah, they thrive on it and they're taking over. I mean, they are influencing Congress. They're influencing members of the joint chiefs of staffs, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, certain and and um, and they're creating wars. Right. And from that point on, unfortunately, no one really heeded. I think Kennedy did. It may have gotten him killed. Right. Right. Um, And Lyndon B. Johnson bought right into it, you know, and all of a sudden we have these wars and we don't know why they're having the wars. Like, you know, around the time that you were amazed that you weren't stationed in like Grenada or uh, or, you know, was sent down during the whole. um, What is it? The uh, the Sandinistas Contras situation during the Reagan administration. Well, Well, you were you were there during Carter. I was a regular I was regular army. So, yeah, they weren't involved in the Central American mess. But you're right. It was timing. I was lucky with the timing that I didn't end up. in. Right. Exactly. So now and God knows what's going to happen with Donald Trump and the the associations that he has. He's trying to get troops into Syria. Yeah. He's he's pushing troops in Somalia. Mm hmm. And God knows who who's going to get rich right. from that. Right. Just like George W. Bush. And how many 18-year-olds are going to join the list of right. the, the dearly departed? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All because, you know, someone says, you know, uh, be a hero and, you know, go fight and, you know, put on a suit and all of that. Sort of, and they really do go to these poor communities. Yeah. And, I mean, I'm not knocking like guys like Pat Tillman, who was the former football Thank player. You. That's who I was just thinking, because <clears throat> I want to honor those people. And I want to honor all these young men, especially the young men who consciously say, mm-hmm. I want to go do this. Right. Mm-hmm. 
And I also want to honor the young men who don't. You have no other options. You're in a bad situation. Right. They give you that we're going to put you in jail or you go do this. Right. And then you end up on a front line and you get shot. Mm -hmm. That's a tragedy. That's still a tragedy. So I do want to honor all that. But I don't think that there's any difference between that kid. Exactly. And the kid who on the street here ended up shot because he didn't choose that either. Yeah. No matter how you wind up in the uniform, you, you have served and you've honored the country. Yeah. So so that's so that's cool. And I just hope that this administration, like you and I were talking about, who's the student named Clark who has just been um, Oh gosh. Oh, g- <laughs> sure, Clark. Ew. Yeah, no, I and it's funny because um there's I posted one a week or two ago mm-hmm. and a new one popped up saying uh, and it was from the Washington Post where they actually took every medal on his uniform and tried to figure out where it came from, and they couldn't do it all. <laughs> so when they first posted the article, he refused to respond. And then he has since responded with this, basically this anti-media, oh, you're just going to pick on me, you're going to beat me up. No, and God. they're like, we're just, they did a wonderful job of outlining what all <clears throat> these were without saying anything wow. about it. And so I reposted it today saying... One of the things I did learn in the military, like I actually got, I earned E5, it's sergeant's rank. Right. Um, I wasn't in an, um, an administrative position. I wasn't in a supervisory position, so I wasn't a sergeant. I was a spec five, but it's the same rank. Um, I got that. You have to go before promotions board. <laughs> and the guy hated me mm-hmm. because I clearly was not a good soldier. I was not in line with him. <laughs> yeah. But I'm smart. So I'd studied and I had all the right answers. So when I finished, he just dressed me down about my uniform. Mm-hmm. You don't have this. You don't have this. That's not right. And that's the, the military is real specific about the guidelines on what you wear and how you mm-hmm. wear it on your uniform. So when you get a better medal, mm-hmm. you don't get to keep both those medals. You can, you wear the better medal. If for some reason you want to wear the lesser medal, that's on you. Mm-hmm. But you don't get to just put all this crap on your uniform all together so that little fruit salad that he's wearing on his uniform (laughs) is disrespectful to the military it's like it's like Idi Amin you know like (laughs) and they gave him a chance because all kinds of readers Mm -hmm. chimed in on oh that's this oh that's that and they put links so you can verify everything they're telling you but there were a few a handful that they couldn't identify and he didn't identify him. So they said, A, all we did was identify him. We didn't make any kind of commentary about any of it. Mm-hmm. We identified him. And the ones we couldn't identify, if you want to tell us what those were, we will identify so those be, as well. He could be wearing merit badges for all we know. <laughs> he is. He's yeah. wearing stuff. He's wearing, look, one of the badges he's wearing it was given to the New York City cops for something. Wow. And I'm like, did you do something? There's a badge he's wearing. If president comes to visit your city and you're part of the detail that deals with that he's got a badge for that all we're asking all people like me are asking is why don't you say what date that was when you got that when the president came to your city then dude you earned it and it's yours and i will respect you i will make a public apology to you if you can verify all that fruit salad you're wearing on your uniform is real i i want we should in another podcast, probably, because I'm more interested in the fact that he's a Republican. Didn't you tell me that he was a Democrat he's a before? Democrat. And he, he went was to a Democrat. Republican, and he went to the Republican convention to speak. See, I'm still fascinated by black Republicans. I have a friend who, yeah, who I graduated with who, who, who <laughs> is a Republican. And I have a theory on that. And 
you know, we're running long anyway, but yeah. um, I really I have a lot of lot of thoughts about this as well. We, we will get back to. Yeah. It. <laughs> um, are there any shout outs we want to throw? Shout outs. I do have I have one or two. Go for it. Well, um, I have been working with Playground as a director. Playground is an organization that does um, new plays, short plays. Usually they're like 10 minutes or so. Um, and they do it the third Monday of every month at Berkeley Rep during the normal theater season. We are in the middle of their festival, and it's happening at what used to be the Thick House. It's now called the Potrero Stage. They've taken it over, and they're managing it. The theater companies that have found that to be their home for the last decade or so are still there, and that same sort of new play energy is still a part of it, but they just wanted to make sure that if somebody wanted to know where the Thick House was... That's confusing. But if you say, where's the Potrero stage? Well, there's a part of San Francisco called the Potrero, mm-hmm. and that's where it is. Um, so it's we're in the middle of their festival, actually towards the tail end of their festival. And I'm a director, so I just directed a piece that's called um, If Found, Please Call. And it's a wonderful little comedy. And the thing I'll throw out to you is I we just had a rehearsal last night, and the line that I think... There's a lot that's going on in this play about relationships and stuff. It's a wonderful comedy about a couple. Are they Are they ready to get married or not? And the question comes up, um, well, don't you know your partner's, don't you have your partner's password? Can't you get your partner's phone? (laughs) Would you share that with somebody? And it becomes a big issue in the play. So it's a fun play that kind of deals with that. And that'll be a noon this Sunday at the Petrero Petrero stage. It's on 18th Street, just off of Deharo. And it's free. So it'll be a lot of fun. That's that's what I got coming up. That's my shout out. All right. My shout out. Uh, so I just finished the uh, the magical, um, the musical cafe. So now that it's finished, they're actually doing a second round of the musical cafe. And that will be in the fall. But they're so they're getting submissions in now. And as a matter of fact, um, I'm going to do a, be doing a submission yeah. for it. I've got the music. I just got to write I've got to, you know, write some dialogue around it and mm-hmm. I have to assemble actors who also sing. I may be hitting you up, Will. Yes, I'm down. <laughs> I am well, down. listen to the music first because, you know, I may, <laughs> may be like, oh my God, what the hell did I get myself into? <laughs> but I wanted to say that um, if any of you out there have a music or a song or you're a budding um, mus- musical composer, you should. I'm going to give you this email, Jerome uh, Gentes at gmail dot com. Gentes, uh, spell Gentes. Yeah, G E N T E S, J E R O M E G E N T E S at gmail dot com. You want to get your submission in before June thirtieth. June thirtieth is the cutoff time. Mm-hmm. So you have a month. You have yeah. a month to work on it and uh, to submit it. And uh, if it is selected, and, it, and I'm sure it will be very competitive, uh, you'll be able to have your piece showcased, just as it was um, this past weekend, um, in the fall. Me, me and Will are going to work on one. Just do it. Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Will? What you got going on? Well, I mean, you can reach me, of course, at Will Hammond Jr., Will Hammond Jr., on Twitter or uh, Instagram or wherever. I'm actually just finished my latest album called Caribou Wonderland. Right on. Um, you can pick that up on iTunes and uh, Google Play and a bunch of places. I've been listening to your stuff on SoundCloud. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's awesome it's on, stuff. Some, yeah. Some SoundCloud and Spotify. And then um, I'm working on some theater plays. I'm actually trying to do, I've been talking to my um, man over here for a while about doing a, a musical on a book that I read to my kids called for you are 
a Kenyan child. Yeah. So, All right. So it's a musical version. I'm trying to develop the music into it and, and shop it at the zoos and the little mm-hmm. children's theaters nice. and things like that. Nice. Um, and then there's another play I'm trying to do called Four 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 Women. And it's about my mom, my grandmother, and my two aunts. Nice. And they've all dealt with some sort of kind of well, like the sorry, black. We, I think we have talked about this yeah, a little. a black joy luck club. So it's like they've mm-hmm. all yeah. had had some kind of trauma in their life, and like how does the it ladies all work? on that wine train. Yep. Nice. The nice. Wine, exactly like the wine train. <laughs> no, but I had I had an interesting drive with my mom recently, and and she was telling me about my grandmother. Mm-hmm. Uh, really quick, and she mm-hmm. she came from Chicago to the Bay Area with her sister when she was a young girl, and her sister left her on a park bench mm. and and walked away with a, another young man and mm. left her there. And my grandmother sat there on the park bench until it got pitch black, and decided wow. to get up and go to a cafe. Mm. This this couple found her in the cafe and said, "Do you need help?" And so basically just took her in, mm-hmm. and thus begins the trauma of our. Of wow. our, our life, our family's That's life. So, cool. Did they yeah. raise her? Yeah, basically they just took care of her, and and when she grew up, she, you know, again started her own family. And my mom and her never really had a real, you know, affectionate like family. Yeah. They yeah. never hugged, yeah. never said I love you. And so now I understand where my mom is at. Mm-hmm. So it kind of brings in all these different stories. It's really cool. So yeah. I'm working on that right now, and hopefully, you know, again we can work on that and, yeah. and see where it goes. Awesome, awesome. That's fantastic. Well, we're going to wrap it up. Um, One more promo. Sure, sure. Promo, promo. Um, and this is for this is for any listeners. Um, mm-hmm. Just to start, you know, trying to add things in. And I, I think I want to throw this question out. Um, and it comes from, I was a teaching artist with Berkeley Rep for a while, and I would occasionally chaperone kids to see the shows. They had a touring show from New York of uh, Oliver Twist. It was a new adaptation of Oliver Twist. Afterwards, kids got to hang out and talk to the actors. And one of my students asked the actor, do you have another job? And the guy at the time was a recurring role on um, Law and Order. Not, he's, not on every, he's on every season, but you may only see him three or four times, probably not half a dozen times in any season. One of the DA's office people. Mm. Um, but here he was playing Fagin in Oliver Twist. So substantial role in this play. And he stopped everybody on stage and said, show of hands, everybody here who has another job or a partner who is supporting them. Every hand went up on stage. These are New York actors. And so there's a way where we as actors kind of are ashamed of the fact that we have to do something else to make a living while we pursue our careers, pursue our craft. Mm. So I want to throw out to people, what is the other jobs that you have to do that allow you to pursue your craft? And I think, you know, let's mm-hmm. spend some time on that next time talking about that. See what we Absolutely. And for anyone who's listening to the show, of course, you're probably either listening to it on iTunes or SoundCloud or maybe even on Facebook. If you can send us your uh, just write a comments mm-hmm. below, usually you can write comments on either iTunes or you can do it on all three, iTunes, SoundCloud, right. or Facebook, and let us know if you're an actor, if you have a day job, you know, what yeah. what else do you do? Or anything else that you'd like us to talk about. We're happy to do it. But yep. Yep. We got to find a signature sign-off. Yeah, we got to find a sign-off. <laughs> <laughs> and we are out. <laughs>